Hello, this is Zach Cherian. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. We are really excited to bring you this teaching. Please open your heart, and if you can, your Bibles, and receive this word from the Lord, recorded live at Brazen Grace Fellowship. Awesome. Y'all ready for the word today? All right, let's do this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, as we continue where we started last week. 1 Peter chapter 2, for those of you freaking out going, why can't he just find something like John or Matthew? I'll help you. 1 Peter comes right before 2 Peter. <laughs> and uh, then I want you to go to Galatians right after that, but let's start at 1 Peter chapter 2. We're talking about this um, topic, holiness and grace. While I'm doing this, the struggle for me as a New Covenant preacher is to balance the ability to teach holiness without mixing it with condemnation and the law. If after you hear this message, you'll walk out of here feeling horrible about yourself and how filthy you are and how sinful you are and how dirty you are, then I failed. But if you walked out of here and you get this idea that guess what? I am forgiven forever. I am forgiven forever. And because I am forgiven forever, sin has no dominion over me. Amen. Amen. When you understand that, that will completely change your life. Listen to me. If you're taking notes, write this down. Holiness isn't something we desire so we can be forgiven. Holiness is something we desire because we are forgiven. Try it on this side. Holiness is not something we desire so we can be forgiven. Holiness is something we desire because we are forgiven. Did you know that you were already forgiven? If you don't understand that, nothing I say is going to make sense to you. If you are one of those people who was like me six years ago, where all my life I spent repenting, 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 repenting. Sorry, Lord, sorry, Lord, sorry, Lord, sorry, Lord. My life was filled with repentance and it was constant saying sorry for my sins, sorry for my sins. And I realized I don't have time to really worship God, where even my songs that I sing are about how filthy I am. How many of you know worship ain't got nothing to do with you or what you're going through? It's really all about who He is. And that's the sad thing with with worship is now we talk about what we're going through and how rough life is for us or how great we would be on the other side. And if we just died and went to heaven, how beautiful Beulah land is. Don't get me going now. (laughs) Worship really is all about who God is. And it's very hard to concentrate on who God is when you're looking at how nasty you are. It's really hard to see how beautiful Jesus is when you're obsessed with how sinful you are. And there's something that we have to lay down. And I started on this last week to explain to you. In Romans chapter 6, I believe it says that sin cannot have dominion over you because you are in grace and not the law, the Bible says. What does that mean? That means if you are under the law, sin will have dominion over you. So if you really want to overcome this concept called sin, you have to establish the point, I am under grace. Amen. Amen. Now, you will not find people that stand up there in the name of their churches, the Law Thumpers International. You're never going to have churches that are going to say, oh, we are law. Nobody's going to say that, are they? So it's not really that people are all law. The problem is we have this thing called mixture. Paul speaking to the Galatian church says that. 
how quickly you have gone back to the things you came out of. You were delivered by grace. You were saved by grace. And yet now you've gone back to works. You can't mix the two. If you got saved by grace, beloved, you stay saved by grace. Are you listening to me? You don't suddenly change the mode of uh, uh, operation after you get saved. You get saved and then suddenly now you got to work it out. You got to work it out and you work it out. Stop it. Stop it. This is what the Bible says about you and you have to understand me. Jesus said, we are seated with him in heavenly places. That is your position in Christ. Bible says we are seated with him. Look at your neighbor and say, please sit down. Just sit down. And we we feel like we're always fighting and we're always struggling and we're always striving. And then we say things like, well, as long as we're in this world, we're going to have, we're going to have sin and we're going to, we're just going to keep it. And what one day, bless God, when we die, when we die, we shall be just like him. And then when we die and when we're like him, then we will overcome sin. Well, my Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we, not one day when we go to heaven, so are we in this world. You're not becoming one day when you die and go, then you'll be holy. No, no, no. Jesus says positionally, right now, you are holy just like Jesus is. Listen to me, if we're just going to keep sinning till we die and get into our new bodies, then death is your savior, not Jesus. Ouch. (laughs) If you're going to keep sinning till you die and get into your new bodies, then death is your savior, not Jesus. Is there victory from sin in this life? Am I saying, oh, you're never going to sin again if you get this? No, you don't understand this. You don't understand. You don't, you don't understand what I'm trying to say. Sin is destroyed. Sin was destroyed on the cross. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, speaking of Jesus, who himself bore our sins, Where? In his own body, on the tree, why? That we, what? Having died to sin. So let me ask you this. When did you die to sin? When did you die to sin? When Jesus died 2,000 years ago. Having died to sin. Some English major tell me what tense that is. Having died to sin, died, might what? Live for righteousness. Having died to sins, might live for righteousness. Ever since I came to the grace message, I've had people write a lot about me. It's kind of gotten me some fame that I never wanted. It's the kind where people write and say, well, bless God, Zach Cherin's telling people they can just go ahead and sin. He's given people a license to sin. If you know that you're forgiven forever, that's giving you a license to sin. I love Brother Hagin would always say, he would always say that, well, uh, they're doing pretty good without the license. 
People don't sin because somebody gave them a license to sin. I'm going to give you a deep revelation here. People sin because they like to sin. Duh. I get people telling me that all the time. Well, you know, it's a license to sin. Where? I will show you life after life after life after life all over the world of people that have been delivered from the addiction and power of sin. Not because of their repentance or their confession, but because they realize they are forgiven. I'm going to say some stuff to you that's going to mess with your religious mind, but I promise to back every word of it from the word of God. Hebrews chapter 10. Turn there quickly. Hebrews chapter 10. You've got to understand who you are in Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 14. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Did you just read that verse? Or are you still wondering how that got into your Bible? Did he just come and add that last night? For by one offering, you have been perfected for how long? Till the next time you mess up. Church folk, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. If you get this message, it will deliver you from the grip of condemnation and guilt. For by one offering has he forgiven you for how long? Forever. Forever are you perfected in the sight of God. God doesn't change his opinion of you based on what you do anymore. Once you come into Christ, you're a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. And God sees you perfected forever. I'll tell you something else to you. God doesn't just see you perfected forever. You go, why does, why does God see me perfected forever? You want to know why? Because God sees you through His Son. For God to see you as imperfect. Nobody wants to say this stuff, do they? For God to see you imperfect would have to be two things. You out of His Son or see His Son as imperfect. Say this, God sees me perfect. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I might not act perfect, but I've been made perfect. Christianity is not a behavior modification. That's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is not about behavior modification. It's about an identity being revealed. And I just felt the Holy Ghost on that one, I tell you. It's about you finding your true identity. Listen to me carefully. I, oh God, I hope I get to my real sermon. Jesus came, number one, not just to reveal what God is like. Jesus did not come just to reveal what God's like. Jesus also came to reveal to us what God sees us like. If you don't get that, you will live the rest of your life in guilt and condemnation. And Romans 8 verse 1, 1, I went real Indian on you there. 1, (laughs) 
Romans 8 verse 1 <laughs> will mean nothing to you. There is now therefore no condemnation for who? For those who are in Christ Jesus. Now let me ask you this. Is there any need to tell a dude who doesn't mess up, you don't have to be condemned? Because he look at you like, what you talking about? I don't do anything. He's obviously speaking to people that are feeling condemned. And he says, there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are what? Say this, I'm in Christ. Say this, I'm in Christ. Say nothing, nothing can separate me from Jesus. Nothing, no height, no depth, no demon, no sin can separate me from Jesus Christ. Church, do you believe that? Do you believe that today? When you understand that you have been forgiven forever, when you understand that you have been forgiven forever, I'm going to say this, oh God, oh God, let them love me. Past, present, and future. What? What did you say? I thought it's until the next time I repent and confess. I'm going to just tell you something really deep right now. When Jesus paid for your sins, you weren't even born. So everything you were ever going to do was in the future. Duh. Why is it so hard for people to receive this when I say it, that God has perfected you forever? They go, oh, no, no, no. It's only until the next time. And then, and then, if you, until the, then when you mess up the next time, you better get ready confessing and repenting. And if you don't do that, you die and you go to hell. For God so that he that Say that whosoever loud dad believes in him. What? But what? Shut up. That last line is not in there. Everlasting life. Everlasting life. That whosoever believes in him. Whosoever believes in him. Any believers in this house? Any believers in this house? We are always living in fear of getting in the light, out of the light, in the light, out of the light. I'm saved. Oops, messed up. I'm unsaved. We lived in constant guilt. The church has been gripped with something called Christian Gnosticism. And I, I didn't want to explain this, but I'm just going to say Christian Gnosticism for, for the, to really make it clear is really an oxymoron. Gnosticism is... is the search and the pursuit of knowledge. But Christian Gnostics were very prevalent in the early church. And there were two Gnostics. There was the Roman Gnostics and then there were the Greek Gnostics. The Greeks would teach you, Gnosticism is simply this. Matter is evil. Spirit is good. So anything on this world is bad. Everything of the spirit is good. They don't like the verse, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. They don't like that verse very much. And they like Jesus as a guy with great ideas. So they'll never believe Jesus was a real human being. They'll say he was a spirit being. In fact, if you read 1 John, it was specifically written to Christian Gnostics. 
And the Corinthian church was written to another bunch of Gnostics where Gnosticism creeped into the church and, and, and Paul speaks to them. The, 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 the Greeks were basically this. Don't have anything to do with matter. Pleasure is bad. They wouldn't, they wouldn't touch anything. They wouldn't do anything. None. The Greeks would have nothing to do with them. They were, they were so separate. They would not wear this. They wouldn't wear that. They wouldn't do this. They wouldn't do that. Sounds really familiar, doesn't it? Don't drink this. Don't drink that. Secular music, Christian music. Everything was separate. Everything was this is that. And it's all this, this stuff, this, this religious thing we play. You're telling me there's no bad music preacher? Yes, there is. How do I know? Listen to the lyrics, dummy. How, how deep is that? Ain't nobody want to listen. Don't listen to Coldplay. It's really bad, really bad music. So guess what we do? We sound exactly like Coldplay in our churches. For God's sake, just listen to it. We separate everything. No, don't, don't touch. Oh, don't touch, don't touch. Don't touch that, don't touch that. It'll defile you, defile you. Then there were the, the Romans. The Romans were like, well, since we're living in a fallen world, <laughs> since we got to be here anyway, let's get it on. Licentiousness. And neither of this was grace. Both of them are because of some form of law enforced upon them. The ones that push it to the extreme where they tell you, don't do this, don't do that, don't enjoy this, don't enjoy that. So everyone's like, oh Lord, can I eat this food? Oh God, can I listen to that? Oh Jesus, can I? Have you seen those people? I used to be one of them. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm laughing about it. How many of you burnt your CDs every youth camp? Come on. And then two weeks later, what did you do? Go buy it again. The one that kills pleasure altogether. The other that gives him to pleasure no matter what. Well, big deal. I got to live 80, 80 years over here anyway. And we have that creep into the church today in the name of holiness and righteousness. Except for that part that we like. We're like, well, but we're under grace, aren't we? How come you ain't under grace for the rest of this stuff? And so we have people living in condemnation and guilt and condemnation and guilt. And condemnation and guilt. And you know what living in guilt is? It's living under the law. And you know what living under the law does? Make you fall into sin again. And you know what making you fall into sin does? It makes you guilty. You know what makes you guilty does? Live under the law. You know what living under the law does? Make you sin. You know what making you sin does? Makes you guilty. You know what makes you guilty does? Live under the law. It's this vicious cycle we live under trying to be delivered from, trying to be set free from that. Right. <sighs> Turn to Romans chapter 6. Are you with me? Yeah. Well, them grace people never talk about sin. It's because you haven't been in a church. <laughs> Honey, give me that. Drink, please. Not the other one, yeah. 
five hours ago, I had absolutely no voice. I know you don't believe me. My wife can testify. I have no idea what came on. I just killed. I could not. There was not, 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 nothing but air coming out of my mouth. Sick as a dog, it seemed. I mean, so weak in my body. It was unbelievable. I was out. Even today, I try to prepare and I prepare. And when I crash for a while, I said, God, I hope I'll have a voice when I go to preach. I don't know where it came from, but thank God it came. <laughs> Romans chapter 6, from verse 1 to 14. Can I teach for a little bit? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. That's Paul saying, how stupid could you be? How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of you were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. Say this, when Jesus died, I died. When he was buried, I was buried. When he rose again, I rose again. When he sat down, I sat down. Come on now. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Do you know this is not talking about when you die and go to heaven? When did you die? When Jesus died. Knowing this, that our old man, say old man. No, it's not talking about your daddy. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. That the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Are you listening to me? That the body of sin may be done away with. Any new covenant believers in the house? I'm just going to say something over you. You are terrible sinners. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. You suck at sin. That's why you feel as horrible as you do. Because it's not part of your identity anymore. It's not part of who you are. Sin is not a part of who you are. When Jesus died, God took the old man. Who is the old man? The dude that was a descendant of Adam. Why? Because everyone born of Adam is born in sin. But when you give your life to Jesus, you are now what? Born again, you are a new creature. All things have passed away. Meaning what? Everything, those old desires, those old likes, those old habits, it all died in the body of Jesus. It all died in the body of Jesus. Are you saying new covenant people can't sin? No, I didn't say that. 
I didn't say that. They do. You know what you call a new covenant person who sins? Stupid. But sinner can never be your identity again. When I got that, it set me free. Sinner can never be your identity again. There was a friend of mine from a church I used to work at. He spoke on it, Pastor Steve Sorensen. He used to say this, and I thought, that's the most sacrilegious stuff I've ever heard in my life. Why? Because I was guilty as hell. And he would say, a believer can never be a sinner. What? He said, I didn't say the believer can sin. But a believer can never be a sinner. Let me ask you this question, church. Those of you that are looking at me, staring me down with your nasty stares. Before you got saved, how many former professional sinners? Come on, wave at me before I cast the spirit of lie out of you. I mean, you did it and you loved it. Did you feel bad? No. (laughs) Why? Because it's who I was. It was my identity. Let me ask you this. When you were an unsaved person, does doing good make you saved? When you are an unbeliever, does doing good get you into heaven? Now that you are a new covenant Christian believer, does doing bad make you a sinner? Some of you are like, hmm. You're telling me your old nature is stronger than the blood of Jesus? You're telling me Adam is stronger than Jesus? You're telling me Adam is stronger than Jesus? And because the believer has not been given this truth about him not ever being a sinner again. Now can you sin? Yes. God didn't check your will out when you got saved. You want to be dumb? Go be dumb. I'm going to say something that's going to mess with the newcomers. Sin will not affect your eternity. But it will infect your destiny. What do I mean by that? You have a carnage of broken heart, hurt relationships, ruined friendships. It's not nice. It's, 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 it's not a part of who you are. That's not who you are. If doing good deeds as an unbeliever didn't get me saved, Doing bad as a believer doesn't get me unsaved. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can repeat this simple prayer with me right now, wherever you are. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you as I am and receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for me. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is my Lord. I am yours forever. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you for joining us today for this teaching. We would love to hear from you. You can write us at ZCIM PO Box 592675, San Antonio, Texas 78259. For more information on ZCIM, please visit us at zcim.org or on Facebook and Twitter at ZCIM Official. God bless you.